Well, that's a pretty different version of uh, Comedian, isn't it? Tremendous. It's Paul Bradshaw. In the house. In the Browns are in the house. What are you doing in the Brownswood House? Coming to um, let the people know about Edge 08. About what? Edge 08, man. It's, it's Edge 08. beginning to happen tomorrow. It's happening tomorrow? Well, we're beginning. It's tomorrow? No, Friday. Friday. Okay, what's the Friday. date today? What's the date? The date is... 12th. We're the 12th of November, okay. 2008. And the 14th? Is our first event. I don't understand. Is this um, to do with the London Jazz Festival? How this started is quite funny, really. Because I was wandering through Hyde Park, came across a bunch of black roller skaters. And to my surprise, one of them turned out to be the UK's top vibraphone player, original jazz warrior, Orphie Robinson. Mm. And we got talking about the Jazz Festival and the idea of um, doing a fringe. And um, the first event that we kind of thought we'd do would be a, a roller skating meets live jazz event. Mm. But as time went by, that kind of fell by the wayside and a whole bunch of other events have kind of emerged. And the first one on Friday is Peter Williams's exhibition, which is going to run for ten days. So hang on, you're Paul Bradshaw from Straight No Chaser. Yeah, that's right. And you are Paul Bradshaw, who put on the magazine for over 20 years. That's right. And you go back to the days of the Wag Club, yeah. Paul Murphy, yeah, all of that. Yeah. And you stopped doing Straight No Chaser a year and a half ago. Yeah. And uh, you've been sort of doing some online activity stuff. I believe that you are... It looks like... What's the magazine? Shook? Yeah. It looks like that's Straight Edge Chaser. Son of. Son of, right? Yeah. It looks like there's a relationship there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Jez and Matt, who designs the magazine, that's all pure Straight Edge Chaser family. I'm 100% behind Shook. They've done a wicked little job. They keep it going. Deserve more support. Cool. And uh, and now you've um, got in- involved in the London Jazz Festival because it's a worldwide international event which is fantastic and you've decided to push and push and do a little sort of um, off festival yeah I thought we could contribute I thought we could kind of um, add a little bit of edge to the festival which is why you're calling it edge 08 yeah okay I just want to clear that stuff up no 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 it's because it's a huge event the London Jazz Festival and it's almost so big in a weird way it doesn't have much identity so we kind of thought, well, what we would do is we would pull together a bunch of events, quite diverse events, but were based around film, photography and music. And we thought we'd do the majority of them in Shoreditch. And the only one which is not in Shoreditch, which is a link up with the Dingwalls Old Air, oh, yeah. friends and family. Yeah, which is on the 26th. That's right, Sunday. Mm. So, you know, so it's kind of... Um, 
for me, it was an interesting idea to bring together film, photography, and music, lock it all together, so you could walk from one venue virtually to the other. Absolutely. And having been, you know, having Straight No Chase originated in Hoxton, mm. yeah. So we kind of know a lot of people there. So John at Charlie Wright's, I think we we held the first ever party at Charlie Wright's. Charlie Wright's, which has now become the International Jazz Bar, just down the road from us. That's right, and not far from the Vortex. That's right, and it's got a wicked little lineup. It's got a guy called Zenia Strigalev who's doing all the programming, and two of the events that we've kind of linked up and put our kind of association with is um, one with Horacio El Negro Hernandez, uh-huh. Italuba, which is a kind of, um, sounds like a wicked uh, Italian-Cuban collaboration, which probably stems from the time when Horacio defected from Cuba in Italy. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to be good because he's one of the baddest drummers in the world. And then uh, the following weekend, um, Steve Williamson steps back into the affray on a free jazz tip. On a free jazz tip? Playing with Pat Thomas. And um, and uh, I think that's going to be the wicked little quartet there. So I'm kind of... I'm on a bit of a free jazz vibe at the moment, actually. Is this what we're doing here? Yeah. Well, Hobie Hancock isn't free jazz, is he? No, Herbie is the headline of the festival, and he's you know he's the big name, but he doesn't make music like, well he doesn't really make music like that anymore. He doesn't have a band like that anymore. That's probably that's seriously out there that record, and um, I also decided to play that because there's a great photograph of Herbie in Pete Williams's exhibition. Pete Williams must have filmed, or should I say, photographed a lot of people, hundreds. A lot of big-time jazz superstars. Yeah. Did he do Miles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, he did the brilliant shot of Miles, which is in the um, oh, yeah. Festival Hall. You know, I've seen that. He looks like a gin. He looks like a spirit. Yeah. Mm. We should have got Peter Williams here today. He's hanging his exhibition down Shoreditch. In Shoreditch. <laughs> and is it a one-day-only exhibition? No, the exhibition is going to be on for ten days. And it's in the uh, No ID Gallery, or sometimes it's called the Boundary, um, Boundary Studio. Right. Which is on Calvert Avenue. So if you walk down the side of Shoreditch Church... You know people who put up art and uh, do these kind of events um, with um, galleries and stuff, is it to sell art or is it to show art? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I'm sure it cost Peter something like four grand to put his exhibition together in doing all the printing, doing all the framing. And uh, obviously he wants to sell some stuff to kind of... Make back his money. Yeah, and um, well, he's a heavyweight don, isn't he? And I think the thing, the whole idea for me about photography, anyway, should be that it should be accessible to people to buy because it's re- you know reproductive art. So you know you can you should be able to buy a photograph for a reasonable price. You know you should, if you can buy a wicked print for two hundred pounds. But I don't understand that. Why buy a print when you can just download it off a computer and just blow it up? Well, you can't get the quality. But really, no. Is it like the difference between listening to vinyl and, and, and a thin MP3? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, when you see these pictures of Peter's up on a wall, you have to stand there and go, damn. No, that's true. You know, it's... I agree. It's like listening to an old blue note. But to make it a little bit more um, festive, you're going to put some decks in the gallery? Yeah, we'll have tunes running, because obviously a lot of the people that are in the exhibition, Pharaoh Sanders, McCoy Tyner, 
Cassandra Wilson, Courtney Pine, Dr. John, Don Cherry. So we'll just we'll be running tunes all the time in the gallery. We just love people to come down and look. Okay. And and if you fancy buying something, why not try and place an order, man? And we'll see if we can run off some prints. So what are you doing? Are you selling? Um, are you Peter, Peter Williams's manager? Are you um, curating a festival? What are you doing? Well, I think the thing I'm doing both. You know, <laughs> it's kind of in a sense that that's. Um, with with someone like Peter, I've worked with Peter. I commissioned most of the photographs that are in the exhibition, and we've always worked together as as a kind of good team, you know. And and I've always let I've always wanted Peter just to do what he does, which not many magazines or newspapers allow you to do. So the idea is that he just kind of went out there and did 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 his thing, you know what I mean? And he's like he is an artist. I think I think he's up there with William Claxton. When you see the photographs, they are very, very powerful. And I think also that what's in the gallery now is, like you say, he's done a lot of stuff. He's scratching the surface. So he documented, for example, at Bar Rumba during the day. He, you know, he actually documented loads and loads of stuff at Bar Rumba. You know, there's probably an exhibition there. Mm. He worked with Joe Davis for six years, mm. going to trips to Brazil for six years amazing archive of um, Brazilian stuff. You know who I heard had a really good um, selection and uh, photographic evidence of Dingwalls is uh, I heard Normsky's got some good photography there. Okay, that sounds interesting. Sorry, just going off at an angle. <coughs> um, okay, so we're going to, we're just here talking about this Edge 08, and um, we're going to talk, you know what, we're going to talk about the other events you've got going on, but the first one you just mentioned this Friday, which is the 14th and it's Peter Williams' um, artwork and um, photography, not artwork, photography. Mm. Artwork is what well. it's all done, artwork. No, it? photography, you know, I'm going to leave a load of magazines around so people can see how the photography was translated by Swifty into artwork in Straight No Chaser. Have you got a load of old Straight No Chasers floating yeah, about? Yeah, I've got a few boxes, yeah. Have you, is there any editions that um, have completely sold out? I, you, you don't even have a copy yourself? No. You have a copy of everything? Yeah. Is there any that there's only one copy left? I don't think so. There's What's the lowest level of, um, of num- quantity you have? Number one. Number one? The green one? Yeah. When it was a different shape? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Okay, we're going to talk about Straight and Chaser, because I just love talking about it. <laughs> um, and uh, But I also want to talk about your Cassandra Wilson stories. And you've put a Cassandra Wilson track on the turntable. Why and um, which one? Well, Cassandra is... Um, she's in Peter's exhibition. There's a, there's, there's a great photograph of her in, with Courtney Pine in the exhibition. And uh, the picture that we ran in the mag was this great picture of them running down the street together. Black exploitation type photo. Courtney with a big fro. I think it was the only time Courtney's ever been photographed with a big fro, man. And he's looking good. Yeah. Because he's, he's proper dread now. Mm. And um, Cassandra was one of the... Well, in fact, she was probably the first person that we spent money interviewing. Because she was on the cover of issue three, I think. Mm. And I went to the show where you met her. Yeah, we completely fell for what she was doing on this album. What was the show? Um, East London. East London was it in? Um, <coughs> it was in the the gallery. Um, was it in the Whitechapel? Whitechapel. In the Whitechapel, I she, she wasn't very happy that night, was she? She wasn't very happy, and I had a terrible row with um, her then husband in the bar. 
Yeah, I remember. Stand up, face to face, row. Mm. Yeah. He wasn't. Um, he wasn't very happy about a photograph that was in um, Straight No Chaser. And uh, well, at first, when it kicked off, he was basically not happy about Cassandra being described as a diva. Oh, really? And it it kind of went from there to something else, which was basically a photograph which was in the magazine of um, Isaac Julian's film, um, looking was it looking for Langston? Oh, okay. Which was about Langston Hughes, who was gay, (coughs) and there was um, (coughs) a. There was a couple of there was a photograph of um, from the, from the film of um, some guys dancing together, and I think basically he took umbrage to this picture. He didn't really like it, and um, and I think even in the argument he was saying he he, did, he didn't believe that Langston Hughes was gay, which was just bizarre to me, and. Um, you remember the argument twenty years later? Oh yeah, no, it was it was heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went as we came out of the gallery. We were still basically shouting things to each other across the Whitechapel Road. That's right. I do remember. <laughs> you didn't talk to me on the way home. Yeah, it was. Um, you were kind of in shock, I think. I think it was a bit heavy. Everyone, everyone in the bar was listening to that argument. It was. But talking of movies, have you got by any chance the um, soundtrack album to Absolute Beginners? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Can I borrow it? Take yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's got a really good Good Evans track on it. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought I'd say. I remember him being, the first time he went to the White Club, we were, we were there and then suddenly we looked around and there was Gil Evans. Oh, let's not go there. Stood at the bar. Job, <laughs> um, okay, so we did Cassandra Wilson, good, good stuff. Um, Edge 08, Paul Bradshaw, and uh, we'll play this track, right? Yep, Jump World. Jump Around. Jump World.
But I'ma take you in this rhyme to a place where you can live in bliss with a groove that moves like this. Cause it's time we had our own king with the kingdom and his throne. Now Jump World is that place I'm talking about. Yo, Wes, we gotta check it out. We've been dreaming for far too long. And someone else has been singing our songs. That ain't right, it's got to be wrong. And that ain't where we belong. So our leader led us into a better place so we could get away from the face of danger. And now we're free. We can be what we want to be since we jumped into reality. Jump World has set us free. This joint is jumping, the bass is thumping, and the part the people are pumping. Yo, somebody had to do something, cause Jump World is jumping. Jump into Jump World. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds great. Oh, that's better. Your microphone sounds better now. Oh, good, good, good. I think so. Move your funky feet to the funky beat. The rhythm ain't hard to keep. If you got soul, let okay. it control and jump world as good as gold. The little rhythm. No, that does sound good, doesn't it? I think it sounds a lot better. I sound less. It just sounded a bit at the time. It was good, but it just sounded. Uh, little bit um, dull somehow but it seems to um, and in my general asthmatic state it's kind of what are you talking about the microphone or the chin not me oh yeah, yeah <laughs> I was talking about the chin that's right mm. um, Cleveland Watkiss is um, a, on the CD player we're going to play some stuff by him soon and uh, and uh, that was Cassandra Wilson and we're talking about Edge 08 with uh, Paul Bradshaw November 2008 and uh what else have you got going on? There's a couple of movies you're going to be showing, right? Well, that, that's that, that's quite a big one, yeah. I mean, um, it was, the idea was was basically... I, I keep getting sent news and stories about different films. And um, two films came into my possession. The first one was by a friend of mine from Japan, called um, by a guy called Yasuhiko, Yas, Yasuhiko Shina, Shirai. And... Um, Shirai San sent me the film, and it's a documentary of um, Cecil Taylor in um, in concert with wow. Japan's other top has anyone piano ever, player. Has anyone seen this? It's only ever been shown at Lincoln Center in New York. That's the only ever play. That's the only play. I think it's been shown in Japan. And that is Cecil Taylor, who appeared on the Albert Ayler documentary. That's right. Man. And it's what era is it? Um, it was. Just, it was the, the concert was two years ago. Oh. And so it's new, oh, okay. you know. And basically, um, Shirai was really, really keen to do this documentary. And Yosuke Yamashita sees Cecil Taylor as being his mentor, his teacher, you know, his, um, what do they call it, um, sensei. 
So he's got a very deep respect for um, for Cecil Taylor because Cecil Taylor changed the way that he made music and the way that he saw music. So the the film is a kind of um, <clears throat> it's a kind of uh, documentary about the re rehearsals and the concert. But it's fascinating to see them play together. Because the thing about Cecil Taylor, my old man was a Cecil Taylor fan. and I, I didn't, Mine wasn't. <laughs> and I didn't get it. I didn't really get it. You know, it's, it's pretty full on music. Do you get it now? Yeah, I kind of get it now. But, it, but it, it, I had to see him play Yeah. before I got it. I mean, I went to see him at Ronnie Scott's with Jimmy Lyons and Andrew Surreal. And... Joan Arma Trading was support. Who was? Joan Arma Trading. Very oh. weird lineup. Yeah. She was great, actually. She was really good. Bizarre. And um, Andrew Surreal had a drum kit that was welded together, and he needed it to be welded together in order to kind of hold it together with um, with what was being played. That's but when incredible. you watched it being played, that was just the lick. Yeah, that's incredible. We'll play a bit in a minute. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember at that time we were talking about just before the um, Cassandra track you were talking about Gil Evans going to um, the WAG Club I remember Cecil Taylor dancing to um, Edie Gourmet There Is A Lot Of Coffee In Brazil in the WAG Club yeah <laughs> he's a very he is a very very impish guy he's a poet you know he he loves to dance he always he's always doing kind of last time I saw him play I think it was at the festival hall or something like that or the barbecue and he was up doing little dances in relation to his own. He'd come on and do a little dance. Mm. And he is a true one-off. And I think, you know, that I think it's hard for some people to actually understand what he does. And I think what's, what's interesting about the film is you're, you're right there on the piano with him. So you're kind of, you can see his wild notation system. And it's, it's an insight, you know, it's cool. So, um, that was all a bit chaotic, wasn't it? This, this music is possibly a bit chaotic. Yeah, this is from an album called Silent Tongues. <coughs> and, um, this was voted album of the year. At the time. What, by the enemy? <laughs> Downbeat International Critics Poll Record of the Year 1975. And um, I think this gives you an idea of what Cecil Taylor is about as a solo performer. I mean, whether we should be talking over it is questionable. Well, I think it adds to the, to the nature of its unpredictability. Yeah. Should, should we let it go? No, let's leave it for a second. No, I mean, should we let it go on yeah. its own? Yeah. Okay. Don't put your headphones off though, because yeah. we'll get feedback.
That sounds great. It does sound fantastic, doesn't it? There is something in there. Oh, yeah, no, it's deep. I mean, he is a science, who, you know, it's, he's into rhythm in a, in a big way, I think. Yeah. My little boy, Luke, I think he's quite good at this. Because it's rhythm, isn't it? Yeah. But obviously, he was taught... He was conservatory trained, but I think, you know, in one thing that I read, he was saying, I learnt more from Duke Ellington than all my conservatory training. And, I mean, people like Cecil Taylor, I think they've amassed a sort of tremendous amount of kind of knowledge about themselves, I think, as they played. And, you know, they, they played in all kinds of different ensembles with different instrumentation and... And even though he comes from the world of jazz, I don't know whether you would really call it jazz, whether you just call it improvised music, global improvised music. Cecil Taylor, Silent Tongues, live at Montreux, 1974, Edge 08, Paul Bradshaw. We've spoken about the Peter Williams. We're speaking currently about Cecil Taylor and the film, which has only been shown at the Lincoln Centre. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be available to to see at the Rich Mix. Yeah, which is um, at the top of Bethnal Green Road. So it's kind of um, Shoreditch area. And um, it's going to be shown on Sunday evening, uh, two showings. Um, small cinema, you know, kind of 120, 110 seats. Yeah. Nice sound, big screen. So I think the movie will look great. And... Um, so I think you you know it, it'll be you'll be able to kind of see the man working. I think it'll be great. Brilliant. Looking forward to that. Um, okay, that's um, that's the second event. Um, but at the same time. Oh yeah, there's a jam downstairs in the bar, mm. coordinated by the man Orphie Robinson. Right, the He's, roller skater. Yeah, and also original jazz warrior. Yeah. And um, well-renowned vibraphone player sure it was recorded for ECM and everybody you know the other labels so Orphe has pulled together but now known as the roller skater <laughs> he's just not ashamed no it's all good man that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that's how, but that's how you bumped into him yeah 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 and um, so now Orphe has kind of pulled together an amazing collection of uh, musicians to celebrate the um, showing of the film who were drawn from the jazz and improv world and it's a meeting of generations. And luckily for all of us, Louis Moholo is mm. in town from South Africa. Amazing. And um, and he's gonna he's gonna come from rehearsals because he's recording an album that this next week. And he's gonna come and um, be joined by Claude Depper and Brian Edwards. Uh, John Edwards is also gonna be there on bass. You might have heard him play with Evan Parker. And then there's Shabaka Hutchins and Corey Mwamba and um, Sotoko Fukada on uh, violin. Um, a whole bunch of players, man. Steve Noble, John Coxon. Um, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Pat Thomas is probably going to show up. What day is this? This is on a Sunday the 16th. So basically this podcast is only relevant for a few hours. Yeah. We're going to take it down after we've done it? 
We'll just keep it up. Keep it up for a little while, you yeah. know. Because yeah. there's there's going to be another there's another session, the one that you're hosting. Well, tell me about it because I thought I thought I was hosting a a, a movie about Hor- Horace Tapscott, but it's not. Well, you're hosting on the Wednesday, on the nineteenth. Hosting. Yeah, you are with, with myself. You will be there. What does that mean? You've got to sort of lead people to their chairs. Yeah, just introduce. A kind of. I'm uh, not introducing the, 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 the film. We can. Call no, I'll be there. I'll be. I'll like, play some tunes and that. Yeah. Or well, go, go up on stage and say something. We can do. No, I like. don't want to do that. Why not? Because I don't know enough about the subject. Okay, well, let's talk about it. <laughs> 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 because um, this is—it's a great film uh, done by Jeanette Lindsay, and it's a film about. Um, the jazz and creative community in Lima Park, which is in the heart of South Central LA, gang country, and after the after the riots, what country? Gang country. Gang country. Crips and Bloods right. country. Right. And uh, and after the riots in '92, wow. after Rodney King. '92. After the Rodney King riots, basically, that community blossomed around several projects. One of which was a kind of jazz bar that was opened by a guy who'd been homeless, you know. And his his logo is his shopping trolley, and uh, and he kind of opened this bar up, and it became a focus for the community. They put tables on the pavement so the guys could play dominoes or chess, and the poets came, people like Camus, Daoud, and a whole kind of cultural community kind of evolved around it. And this is what the film is actually about. And it's how that community evolved. It's about how the pressures that that community became under once it had become successful. Because as we all know, creative people move into derelict, deprived areas because they can't afford to be anywhere else. They create their own scene other people come in it regenerates the kind of economy for that area and then other people come in and prices go up restaurants open rents are increased and all the crazy people leave and have to go and work somewhere else which is a bit like you know kind of the Shoreditch regeneration scenario really and um, so in a way you've got a portion of that in the film as well but it's a great story because, you know, it features other people like Horace Tapscott, who was one of those great musicians, a bit of an unsung hero. And he was like one person who decided he would shun the fame in order to kind of um, pursue his art in the way that he wanted within his community. So you get kind of Horace Tapscott along with um, Dwight Tribble and Kamu Daoud and Billy Higgins, of course, was another a musician who, who, who was very, very active in that area. So is this a proper documentary about this particular part of Los Angeles yeah, and yeah. all of that? And uh, what other musicians are in it? Is it a lot of life? You know what I don't what? really like with documentaries, films mm. about music? Mm. I don't really like it when there's too much music. No, it's not. It's, there's not too much music. Do you it, know what I mean by that? Yeah, I know exactly. Can, what can I mean. you watch a live concert? For like, I'd rather be at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is not like that. There, I mean, like, are you interested in seeing the um, the Scorsese um, film of um, the Rolling Stones? No, that just seems so boring. Mm. Not really. I mean, like, how many cameras do you need? 
No, it's, no it's, it's, the, the, the film is not about that. The film is more about the kind of regeneration of an area and its culture. Right. And so it includes, you know, the current generation. So it's like Project Blowed. So, you, you know, you've got the kind of, you know, the post-freestyle fellowship crew. Sounds brilliant. House, okay, well, maybe, maybe I will host it. And, um, or introduce it. Yeah. And there's a great book as well, which, um, which um, uh, a guy called Steve Isuade right. has written called The Dark Tree, which is well worth seeking out, which is about, mostly about Horace Tapscott. Mm. Yeah, great. Great. Um, okay, well, let's play a tune. This is actually relevant to the last bit of chat we were having. Yeah, and this, this is more, this is, to, this is to kind of link into the kind of the jam you know, the freestyle on the edge session, which is on the Sunday at, um, at the Rich Mix. And this is... Should we play this out to Miriam Makiba? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Who passed away let's this week. That. Let's do that. This is on drums. Is Louis Mahola. It's an album with Dudu Pokwana. Okay.
Sounds really good. Yeah, I love it. I love Doo Doo Pop Island, man. Special edition podcast coming out of Brownswood, the basement in the Finsbury Park region of North London, 2008. Paul Bradshaw, it's a nice, been a nice day today in London. Kind of crisp, kind of cold, no rain. Um, and uh, very much excited about the London Jazz Festival. I think it's going to be really good this year. Seems yeah. to be growing. Um, some really good artists performing there. Um, love to John Cummings and everybody at Sirius. And uh, very excited to, to, to be checking out these movies. The Cecil Taylor and, uh, and the Peter Williams exhibition, all part of Edge. Um, of course, a little bit of a support situation going on for the Dingwalls party, which is on the 26th, Sunday week. Looking at it from now, and uh, actually, they've already sold a load of tickets. I didn't realize a lot more than last year, so oh, we're going to hold some back actually for the um, for the event. But I think they've already sold 300 tickets or something right. already, yeah, kind of mad. So, uh, but obviously, all the regulars aren't going to do the buying tickets in advance mm-hmm. thing, and we want there to be regulars there, so we're going to hold it back. Um, okay, so we've been listening to Dudu Bukwanu. Pukwana. yeah. The late, great. And uh, we've spoken about um, several of your um, events. Um, when is the, um, the, the, the was it, Limart Park, when is that going to be Le- shown? Limart Park, Limart Park. The, the story of a village in South Central, is on Wednesday, the 19th of December. And that's going to be shown... Of December? Uh, no- November. Wow, it's not that long a festival, is it? Yeah. 19th of November which is when that's next week that's next week next Wednesday and the, the, the film will, the film will be shown at 8 o'clock okay. and there's going to be another session live session mm. um, again coordinated by um, by um, Orphie Orphie Robinson yeah. and it includes a host of young players you've got a lot of coins in your pocket I know change small change percussion walking percussion as I travel (laughs) and um, so you know we got um, there's a young guy called Anselman Biswas can you tell Jonathan to stop walking around upstairs can you hear that he's doing my head in oh no he's like an elephant can you call him no no, don't put your headphones up no don't I (laughs) apologies if you're listening at home we are underground and um so yeah, we got Anselman Biswas who plays the instrument which has made the Portico Quartet famous. Yes. The hang. And we have a, a young guy called uh, Huckleberry Finn, HBK Finn, oh, yeah. who's, um, who's busting out a few tracks, which unfortunately we haven't got time to play, but he's got nice things like spoken herbs and on the corner, which he recorded with Cleveland Watkins. Right. Uh, Jessica Lauren is going to drop into that and uh, she's going to drop sounds. Right. And then um, we got um, one of Jake Sachs from OK Mark. And uh, it's got, that's going to be a very interesting little session. Very different vibe from the Sunday. Mm. And um, I think, you know, it's going to be it's going to be cool. I think we should play Spoken Herbs. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, um, Dwight Tribble with Horace Tapscott is a good one. And uh, Marcos Nino. But I think we should play... Um, Spoken herbs, but just play the first track. Yeah, because I think you know we, you know we've we've always got to go with the future, with yeah. the youth. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things about these events is that basically the idea is to kind of 
I think you know what what Straight No Chase has done is always aimed at breaking the music to a different kind of audience, and and that's what we're trying to do with Edge Eight. So it's kind of uniting different venues. So it's you know it's you know we actually one gig that I haven't mentioned, which is the youth, and that's a kind of uh, Soweto Kinch and Orphe have pulled together four little bands from the best music projects around London. And on the Saturday night, which is the 15th of November, at Hoxton Hall, they pull together a session which is called Futurism. Mm-hmm. And it's a small gig. It's on, Hoxton Hall is a fantastic little venue. It's got 100 capacity. And we've got the cream of London's projects doing their thing. So come along to that. Come along to that. Come along to all of them. Be all of them. I've got a feeling the bathroom toilet um, uh, is going to go off in a minute. Um, So um, someone's just gone in there. So let's spoken herbs. Spoken herbs. So Edge 08. Good luck with Edge 08. You can check us out on www.straightnochaser.co.uk. You can get a full listing on there of what's on. You can book tickets for the films at Rich Mix. Go on the web. Rich Mix, E1, you can find all the stuff there. Big shout out to John at Charlie Wrights, Tom at Cargo, don't forget Robert Glasper, that's in the mix. And um, big shout out to Jason and Orphie who've been doing all the graph with us, and Matt Bailey who's slaved over the designs for these flyers. So, yeah, great. Let's um, let's let's run spoken herbs. Spoken herbs. Thank you, Paul. Yes, lovely. They didn't pull the chain, did they? No. Shocking. Man. One can get answers to questions that's been bothering you. You see things much clearer. You know what I mean? That's what it has been traditionally used in our culture. We never drink liquor and alcohol and all that in our culture. We use the herbs. Amongst the misty streets and concrete canyons lives a lost tribe time has abandoned. Lost in an urban forest of pain and shame, they wander aimlessly in search of a name. They search for spoken herbs. They search for lost words. They search for their place in time. Amidst the trees of glass and steel lives a lost tribe time cannot heal. Lost under the canopy of ego and doubt some seek forgiveness and some live without love. So when will the nomad find their home? When will the nomad find peace? When will the nomad enjoy the sweet release of a dream fulfilled? And when will our tomorrow become today? And when will we say, I am home, as we search the spoken home? As we search for lost words, as we search 
Blessed.